Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform, and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book, with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now, and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps, so you know everything about the book in minutes. You're listening to the book summary presentation of The Psychology of Money, Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness by Morgan Housel, narrated by Larry G. Jones. Many finance books focus on the technical aspects of money and investment, such as how to select stocks or build a portfolio. In this book, Morgan Housel addresses the often neglected fact that we are irrational emotional beings, not ROI-optimizing machines. Your financial success depends more on how you manage your psychology and emotional impulses than on your level of technical skills. That's why a janitor can amass $8 million over his lifetime, while a Harvard graduate living a luxurious lifestyle can suddenly go bankrupt. Housel has been writing about finance since 2008, through his research, he realized that luck and human behaviors play a much bigger role in determining one's financial success than spreadsheets and analysis. In this book, Housel uses a series of short stories to present 18 related biases, attitudes, and behaviors that affect our financial outcomes. He calls these the psychology of money. In this summary, we've reorganized the overlapping concepts into three main themes. Leverage the power of compounding and focus on your financial goals. Let's begin. Part 1. Know Your Gaps, Limitations, and Biases All of us think we know how the world works. However, our worldview is actually very limited. Each of our personal experiences reflect just a tiny fraction of the collective human experience over the generations. People from different generations, background, and life experiences perceive money differently. Someone who grew up with poverty and starvation will interpret risks and rewards very differently from someone from a wealthy family who never had to worry about money. Someone who survived World War II or lived through a recession would see money in a different light from someone who grew up in a stable economy. Others' financial decisions may seem crazy to you, but it makes perfect sense to them. You'll never understand someone's financial insecurities just by reading about it. You must experience it firsthand to fully grasp it. Although money has been around for thousands of years, most of our modern investment and financial concepts are actually very new. For example, USA's 401k, which is the backbone of their retirement planning, was introduced in 1978, and the Roth IRA was added only in 1998. Even index funds were developed only in the 1970s. In short, We've had less than 50 years of experience with the modern financial tools, 
making us all newbies in the modern money game. We always have incomplete data on a situation, yet we don't realize what we don't know because our brains create stories to fill the gaps. This gives us an illusion of certainty and control, which is psychologically comforting but leads to bad decisions. During planning, we tend to focus on what we can do or want to do, neglecting luck, random events, or other unseen factors. We also tend to be overconfident of our beliefs and knowledge and overemphasize the impact of our skills. Even historians' accounts of history are biased because they look for facts and interpretations that confirm their own opinions. Our stories are powerful enough to drive the economy. During a market bubble, people keep buying because they tell themselves that prices will keep rising. When the bubble bursts, people pull out of the market and tell themselves the future is bleak. If you want something to be true, you are more likely to believe a story that exaggerates its probability. Just because you want your investments to double in one year doesn't make it more likely to happen. The facts are 85% of active mutual funds fell short of their benchmark between 2008 and 2017. Realize how much you don't know and can't control, and beware the stories you tell yourself. Generally, we tend to overemphasize skills and effort when outcomes are often influenced more by luck and risk. Take Microsoft, for example. Bill Gates was smart, hardworking, and had a rare affinity with computers. However, he was also lucky to attend one of the only high schools in his time with a computer. He eventually co-founded Microsoft with his classmate, Paul Allen. The two young men had a close friend, Kent Evans, who shared their skills and passion with computers. However, Evans didn't get to be a part of Microsoft because he died on a mountaineering accident. Bill Gates and Kent Evans were both smart and love computers, yet they fell on two extreme ends of luck and risk. The truth is, no success or failure is purely due to hard work or sound decisions. Your circumstances define the opportunities available to you. Every action you take also has unintentional ripple effects. Don't draw conclusions from extreme examples, since they are likely to be influenced by luck and risk, making them hard to replicate. Instead, look for broader patterns across multiple scenarios. For example, it's hard to become the next Warren Buffett, but it's much easier to achieve time and money freedom. Realize that things are never as good or as bad as we think. Don't be too quick to judge people, including yourself. Nothing, be it hard work or pride, is 100% good or bad. In life, a small number of events influence the bulk of our outcomes. For instance, a handful of outlier events can change the course of history. Just think about the impact of World War II or the invention of antibiotics and airplanes. 
we often hear about things that are unusually big, profitable, or impressive. Such mega-successes are actually very rare, and we underestimate how often things fail. For example, Disney made more than 400 loss-making cartoons before they made a windfall with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Heinz Bergruen amassed lots of art pieces, of which a small portion turned out to be prized assets. Venture capitalists lose money with most of their investments, but recoup their earnings from the top 3 to 4 percent. So don't overreact to failures. You can be wrong about half your investments and still make a fortune. By investing small amounts of money over a long time, regardless of market conditions, you'll outperform the majority of people who pick stocks or keep moving in and out of the market. We also tend to overestimate our ability to predict the future. Historical data cannot be used to forecast the future because it doesn't capture changes in people's stories and preferences, outlier events, or structural changes in the economy or society. For example, business financing, accounting rules, and hiring practices have all changed drastically in the last 50 years, making old business cycles and practices obsolete. The further your historical analysis, the more generic the conclusions must be. We're also surrounded by pessimism when things are actually improving over the long term. The world seems to be worse than it is for several reasons. First, the media tends to play up bad news more than good news, and such stories are more attention-grabbing. Second, it's human nature to react more dramatically to potential losses and threats than to potential gains or opportunities. Third, we hardly notice growth or progress because it happens gradually. However, setbacks and disasters are hard to miss as they can happen overnight from a single point of failure. The invention of flight may have changed history, but it isn't as sensational as a plane crash that killed everyone on board. In reality, things are getting better in the long run. Optimism is the belief that you have a good chance of positive outcomes in the long term, despite short-term setbacks. Analysts and experts tend to make pessimistic forecasts based on current trends without taking into account new innovations and market adaptations. In the 1970s, it was forecasted that we'd run out of fuel given our consumption levels and the rapid population growth. Yet this didn't happen because we improved fuel efficiency and developed new innovative ways of fuel extraction. Necessity is the mother of invention. When faced with problems and adversity, human beings have proven ourselves to be extremely resilient and innovative. We've also learned why technical skills matter less than luck, risk, and random events, how our stories affect our decisions, why we can't predict the future, and why you should plan with a margin of safety. Realize that things generally improve in the long run, and don't overreact to failures. Ultimately, we're not computers or spreadsheets. We're human beings with 
imperfect information and irrational feelings. So don't try to apply cold logic in your financial decisions. It won't work. Instead, aim to be mostly reasonable, taking into account your human tendencies. Now, let's move on to Part 2, Adopt a Survival Mindset and Leverage Compounding. In the U.S. markets, your historical odds of positive returns are 68% in one year, 88% in 10 years, and 100% in 20 years. Instead of trying to beat the market through short-term speculation, the best investment strategy is to stick around long enough for your investments to pay off. This is a central idea of the book. Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform, and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book, with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now, and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps, so you know everything about the book in minutes. Warren Buffett may be a brilliant investor, but his biggest secret isn't his investment strategy, it's time. Unlike most people, Buffett started to invest when he was only 10 years old. By the time he was 30, the age most people start investing, he already had a net worth of $1 million. Even so, more than $81 billion of his $85 billion net worth came after his 65th birthday. That's the power of compounding and time. Scientists now estimate that there were five ice ages in Earth's history, not just one. They theorize that a small sliver of ice left over from a cool summer is enough to trigger compounded changes in global temperatures to cause an ice age. Compounding only works if you can give an asset many years to grow, like an oak tree slowly reaching maturity. You don't need high returns, you just need decent and consistent returns. So, extend your time horizon by starting as early as possible and wait for the money to grow. Don't take big risks or try to maximize your returns. Go for decent returns that can be sustained over a long time. Realize that getting money and keeping it are two different things. There are many ways to get wealthy, but once you have the money, the only way to keep it is through a mix of frugality and caution. Realize that you may not be able to replicate your earlier success and can easily lose your existing money. Adopt a survival mindset by doing three things. First, aim to be financially unbreakable so you can stick around long enough for compounding to work. Remember, you don't need high returns, you just need uninterrupted returns over a long time. Second, adopt a barbell approach to money. Set aside a portion of your funds for riskier investments and safeguard the rest. Never gamble with every dollar you have. Even if something has a 98% chance of success, 
you still have a 2% risk of failure. Third, expect that things won't go according to plan. Build in a margin of error and always live within your means. Specifically, cater for volatility in your investment plans. For example, can you survive if your assets fall by 30%? And you can aim for 8% return rates in the long run, but make sure you'll be okay with just 4%. Avoid single points of failure, such as having a single source of income, and set aside some rainy day funds for unexpected events. When you invest for the long term, you must be prepared to accept short-term market fluctuations. Everything has a price, even if it doesn't come with an explicit price tag. Likewise, market returns don't come for free. Higher returns tend to come with higher risks, and with it, the price of uncertainty, doubt, and potential regret. Think of market volatility as a fee for investment, not a loss or penalty. After all, we willingly pay for good food, cars, and holidays. Why not pay a small price for good investment returns? By now, we realize our gaps and limitations and why our best odds come from leveraging time and compounding. We're now ready for Part 3, Know and Focus on Your Financial Goals. One of the hardest things about money is to stop shifting your goalpost. No matter how much money and power you have, it's always tempting to keep pushing for more. Know when you have enough. There's no point losing what you already have just to get more of what you don't need. In fact, there are things not worth risking for any potential gain, such as your reputation, freedom, love, and happiness. Don't compare with others, since there will always be someone who has more than you. If your ambition and expectations continually outgrow your satisfaction levels, you'll never be happy. Studies have found that the most important factor behind people's happiness is the sense of control over your life. It's not about money, a big house, or prestige. Money is important not because it allows you to buy luxury goods, but because it has the potential to buy you time and the freedom of choice. Being independent doesn't mean you must stop working. It simply gives you the flexibility to choose what work to do, when to do it, and with whom to do it. The highest level of wealth is the ability to choose what you want to do when you wake up each morning. Here's the paradox. People seek wealth and status to show how successful they are, thinking they'll get others' respect and admiration. Yet people won't envy you. They only envy your possessions. When we see a nice car, we may admire it and imagine how cool it'd be if we could drive that car. We seldom even notice the drivers. The best way to become liked, respected, and admired is to be kind, humble, and empathetic. Flaunting your wealth only achieves the reverse. Another paradox is this. People want to be millionaires because they want to spend a million dollars. 
Yet spending a million dollars is literally the opposite of being a millionaire. After all, the very definition of wealth is the amount of money you don't spend. There's a big difference between being rich and wealthy. Rich people have high incomes, and they put it on display by spending their money on big homes and fancy cars. Wealthy people keep their money and use it to increase their future options and buying power. To be wealthy, you need the discipline to focus on your longer-term goals, resist the temptation to spend money now, either to flaunt it or for instant gratification. In fact, your savings rate matters more than your income or investment returns. And the good news is, it's fully within your control. Someone who earns $20,000 but saves $5,000 will be much wealthier than someone who earns $100,000 and saves $1,000. The best way to increase your savings is to decrease your ego. The most financially resilient people don't earn the most money. They simply don't waste money trying to impress others. More savings means more money to compound more flexibility and control over your time, and more financial buffers during tough times. With extra cash in hand, you can hold on to your investments or wait for better opportunities instead of being forced to sell them out of desperation. Don't blindly follow others, since they may be playing a totally different financial game than you. Many investors are actually speculators hoping to make a quick buck. Short-term traders are attracted by short-term market momentum. They enter a booming market seeking quick profits within the day or a few months. As more of such traders enter the market, bubbles may start to form. Once momentum is lost, they exit the market quickly and the bubbles burst. If you're investing with a 30-year horizon, such short-term fluctuations are actually irrelevant to you, and you'll suffer if you take the cues from such punters. Most analysts' stock recommendations are also made without taking into account your investment goals. When you see a doctor, you'd expect him to do a proper diagnosis before recommending a treatment. Likewise, don't take financial advice unless it's tailored to your financial goals. Get clear on the game you're playing. Try writing down a mission for your investments. For example, Housel's statement says, I am a passive investor optimistic in the world's ability to generate real economic growth. I'm confident that the growth will accrue to my investments over the next 30 years. Having said that, your goals, priorities, and personality will change over time. What you want and need today won't be the same as what you want and need in 10, 30, or 50 years. Don't allow past decisions or investments to tie you down. If you've changed your mind or priorities, simply accept it and move on. You can leverage the power of compounding in all aspects of your life. At every point in your life, consistently invest in the things that matter to you. For example, set aside some savings. Spend some time on yourself and with your loved ones.
We've just outlined 18 related concepts of the psychology of money in three parts. Now, let's see how the author, Housel, applies them to his family's financial strategy and approach. Basically, Housel's family has one financial goal, to be financially independent and to do whatever they want on their own terms. They're satisfied with a decent house, a car, and a modest lifestyle. As their income increased over the years, they saved most of it because they were already comfortable with their lifestyle. They enjoy free and low-cost activities like exercising and reading, and don't see the need to spend money to impress others. In short, they've stopped moving their goalposts long ago. Housel maintains 20% of his assets in cash as a safety net, and even bought his house without a mortgage. He admits that this makes no financial sense, but it gives him a peace of mind, and that matters to him above all else. Housel started out as a stock picker, but no longer invests in individual stocks. All his stock market investments are now in low-cost index funds. So long as he's financially independent, he doesn't care whether he beats the market or maximizes his returns. Obviously, this approach works for Housel, but may not work for you. The key is to get clear on your own goals, design your own game, and manage your relationship with money so you can have a happy and fulfilling life. You've just learned about the psychology of money and how you can think differently about money to achieve real financial success, freedom, and happiness. In the book, Housel uses short stories and empirical research to explain each of the overlapping concepts which we've shared in this summary. Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes.